What's interesting from a learning standpoint, probably the most significant learning that I've had, I mentioned the, you know, the, the things that cost you the most, you learn the most. But I had this awesome CEO who sold, you know, that was their second company they'd sold. Just, I learned the value of just ending things well. And what I mean by that is that, you know, it was painful financially when Home Depot got out of painting, but I still remember today when, so his name's Hector Padilla, he oversaw uh, U.S. services at the time. He's now today one of the three division presidents for Home Depot. And he endorsed me going to work for this other service provider. And you look back and going, wow, now I'm in the corridors and see him at Home Depot, know him at Home Depot. And boy, did I learn. And not that I would have done it any differently, but learned the value of just always ending things well, always behaving you know, well. And you never know, you know what might happen years down the road or who you might run into. And it just taught me the valuable lesson of, of just, again, good behavior and, and having held my tongue at the time when I was a little frustrated financially. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. So leaders, I am super excited to bringing you Andrew McGilvery. Uh, he is the, uh, a director at Home Depot, uh, and he basically is responsible for about a billion dollars worth of business and leads a 450-person team um, at Home Depot, the United States. He is a senior, massive senior leader in uh, Home Depot, which is the 23rd largest company in the world. Um, and he has some incredible lessons for you to share about what he took from his days at Student Works and lessons that you can take and put into your life to become the future leader that you want to. So tune into this podcast. I know you are going to love it. So thank you, Andrew, for 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 joining the uh, the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Our, our 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 young leaders appreciate you know, especially someone with so much experience uh, coming onto the pod and sharing you know all that they've uh, they've done in their career. So um, so you know, Andrew, tell me what what it was what you were like before our program. Oh sure, Chris, and hey, thanks thanks so much for uh, for asking me to participate. It's it's funny you're sort of looking back. I would have thought that I was actually pretty lazy. Um, but I realized, you know, with some maturing that really it's just that I wasn't inspired. Um, I know that I, I actually painted for you, as you'll recall, when you were a manager, yes. the actual funny? act of painting, sorry to tell you now, was, was a little boring, but mm -hmm. when it actually came to, um, running an actual painting business, albeit just a, a ton of hard work, it was so super exciting and, and frankly it changed my life forever. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. Cause I know, and, and, uh, it's 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 kind of interesting, but um, you know, I know you were really really close friends with my with my younger brother, and um, and it was like I you know I just met you um, you know, just hanging around our house and uh, uh, misbehaving, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think we'd go there on the podcast, but thank you. Yes, exactly. Having a lot of fun fun at the house, and uh, and again, just you know, uh, you know, great great young guy. I guess I'm five years older, uh, and I remember. Um, I remember that, that that's exactly was what I I saw is just, you know, hey, what a great guy. 
Um, and just, you know, Hey, not nothing, you know, and then you, you went and worked for me as a painter and you, you're, you're, you know, quite capable, did it, did a good job, but then all of a sudden you jumping into the role as an operator, it was like fire. You just caught yeah. on fire. And, and again, I guess I was your district manager and we worked together for, you know, I know three, four years, you were a top performing operator and, and, uh, and just, just, you know, we're just all over it. Um, I just remember you were just really, really, uh, you know, awesome to work with, really coachable, um, you know, and, and obviously we've been, we've been friends forever. No, I, pre- I appreciate that. It was, it was truly transformational is, is probably the best way I can sum it up. Yeah. So, so what do you still rely on from, from, uh, from the program in, in those early days of your career? Yeah. Um, well, today, I, I'm not in a dissimilar role today to what I did all the way back then, which is pretty amazing. But today in my business, you know, we market we sell and we install. And my job ultimately is to recruit, train and, and support. And I really look at that no different than, than student works. You know, we, we marketed to generate leads. We sold at the kitchen table and we provided a stellar customer service experience and, and finished product. So back then and still today, you know, my, my goal and my role is to recruit and source top talent, train them to do the job right and look after my team. Um, I remember on paydays when I, when I managed, so I was delivering checks to job sites, I would bring everyone chicken wings. It's a place in Toronto on Abbey Road that was called the Bistro. And it's no different today. When my team gets together um, and we all meet, and I have you know, team members uh, across the, uh, the United States, we're always doing something fun and, and uh, as an event. It's, it's interesting. When I, when I think back as well, I, I had this, I'm going to call it kind of warped perspective. Oh, yeah, I can hire and I can, I can fire. And, I remember the first time I had to let someone go that wasn't showing up on time for, for the painting job. I just, I hated it. Yeah. So I sure learned that I better recruit really well and really carefully to make sure I didn't have to do that very often ever again. So it's amazing how some life lessons stick. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally remember. And you had really strong retention of your team. You know, that yeah, I remember you had, you had people coming back year over year. Um, uh, and, and that obviously speaks, speaks well to, you know, the type of leader you are. Um, and really great customer satisfaction, um, you know, uh, and, and, uh, uh, and, and, and again, obviously that's, that's really critical, you know, being such an enormous leader at Home Depot who have just such a, an enormous focus on customer experience and customer, uh, you know, um, yeah, just, just, just the customer. And maybe you could share that, like, just share a little bit about, what does Home Depot, you know, one of the most valued brands in the world, think about customers and how do they how do they really see that? Yeah, sure, sure. So, so certainly we can go into what my, my my role is, but from a Home Depot standpoint, I would say that the the focus on customers is first and foremost. If anyone you know, has been into a Home Depot store, like they logically have, you know, it's the inverted pyramid, and um, our values wheel is the primary focus. And, and what it means from an inverted pyramid standpoint is the customers at the top of the pyramid, and the CEOs at the bottom, you know, holding the weight of the of the business on on their shoulders. And I subscribe to that wholeheartedly. It's, it's just interesting, you know, you made the comment about looking back and you know, valuing my team and having great retention. It's so interesting today that within Home Depot, those are performance metrics that that we measure. So we, you know, every customer, you look to get what's called an IVOC rating. So an installation voice of the customer rating, and it's paramount in the in the services programs that I operate that we get exceedingly high high ratings. Um, it's interesting as well. You know, I've been the captain 
many years for EOC, which is employer of choice, or VOA, which is voice of the associate, where your actual team rates you and ranks you. So it's so interesting that you know, those um, aspects that we focused on you know, in a business, you know, rounding 20 years old, here I am you know, 25 years later in my, in my career, and they're still the foremost attribute. And it's what the company stands for. And it's what the company focuses on. I would say that you know, having worked for a few different organizations, great people leave great companies every day. And it's just because they're not aligned from a value standpoint. I've just had a very good fortune that with Home Depot, their values you know, align with my values, which has made it you know, really easy with hard work to, to, to thrive in that environment. I hope that makes sense the way I'm describing it. Uh, no, I think it, I think it really does, and 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 I know I did throw off our interview just because I'm so excited about having you on, and I'm just so so I'm I'm just I have such an appreciation for Home Depot and what they do and the value they create, and for our young leaders, so often like it's kind of you, you kind of get it. Oh yeah, customers are important, right? Like of course, of course they're important, but with Home Depot, it, it's like just a whole other level of of no, they are so important. They they just you know and and they they do just such a great way of of really. Um, I I feel like you you get it at the store level. I know you get it in an organization level. I've known lots of people who have who have worked with Home Depot and and it's it really is amazing what they do to to really again make the customer king. So so yeah, the business is rounding um, 110 billion this this year. So they continue to deliver for the shareholders, which is one thing. But the primary focus is looking after the customer. If anyone ever has the opportunity to read the book uh, Built from Scratch, it's a book that you know, Bernie and Arthur, the founders, um, authored years back. Um, there's this great story about this customer that comes into a store and is returning a tire, and they're insistent that they had bought that tire at the Home Depot. Well, it turned out. They had not. It happened to have been that a tire store was in the same location before the Home Depot store oh. that had been built. And the tire still hangs in the store today, or maybe it's a bit of an urban myth, but the store right. still resounds throughout the business that they refunded the customer for the tire. And obviously, you know, the whole goal was to look after the customer and do whatever it took. So yeah. that, that story has, has uh, stayed for decades and, and it's, it's in keeping with the business. I mean, if anyone ever has the chance to go back, whether it's in a store or, or other services, we just do everything to look after the customer. The interesting part is because you, you know, home people can't go hide when you have over 2000 locations. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, you gotta make sure. no. Yeah. No, it's so, so, so here, why don't, why don't I jump to, uh, to, to really um, just, just your career progress and, and sure. you know, tell me about, tell me about your career, Andrew. Yeah. So, so really for the last 15 years, I'll focus in on it. It's been Home Depot. Um, both as, as an award-winning service provider, um, originally in, in Canada, you know, recognized as a top-growing business in, in Profit Magazine. And today, I'm rounding seven years having worked for Home Depot uh, USA. I'm actually based at their headquarters now in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, loving Atlanta. Um, Home Depot is a Fortune 50 company. They're actually number 23 of the world's largest businesses and closing in, as I mentioned, on $110 billion in annual revenue. So pretty, uh, pretty enormous. I'm a, I'm a senior director who oversees services businesses that the Home Depot acquired over the last decade or so. So programs like roofing, siding, windows, uh, entry doors, gutters, insulation, kitchen cabinet makeover, tub liners, uh, home organization. 
you know, these are all businesses that that, that uh, Home Depot had had acquired over the years. <laughs> Sorry, home organizations, closets, and garages. Um, so I manage you know, roughly a billion dollars in in annual revenue, and my team, as I mentioned, expands across the USA. You know, we have eighty branch locations. Um, roughly, my team's made up of about four hundred and fifty associates, and on average, at any given time, we have twenty five hundred service providers. So, uh, needless to say, it keeps me uh, keeps me busy. Wow. Um, so, so with, uh, getting, I, I know you, uh, you know, you, you know, co-founded a business that, that, that got started with Home Depot in the painting space. And then, and then, um, you basically, well, why don't you, why don't you walk the, 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 our leaders through that and just, just, you know, the things you learned, the things you were able to accomplish, the, the challenges that you overcame, um, you, you know, in, in that, in that space. Sure. Yeah. So, so um, years into my in my career, I decided that uh, a suit and tie was was not for me. You know, downtown uh, Toronto for those who are from the city. You know, it, it it just didn't fit me. So I I went back into the entrepreneurship world. Happened to to move into painting, and Home Depot was getting into services at that point in time, and and had the very good fortune of becoming the service provider in Canada that if you walked into a Home Depot store, you know, they, they, they had us paint their house and you know, grew into doing the same thing in the U.S. Um, unfortunate at the time that, that Home Depot eventually got out of painting. Um, they, they did it so that they weren't competing with their pro contractor. So an astute business decision on their part, I didn't necessarily understand it at the, at the time, which leads to you know, some of your greatest learnings come at the, the highest cost. Um, but it was my very good fortune that along the way, I met a number of other service providers, went to work for one of the largest service providers for Home Depot. I actually moved uh, my family to Boca Raton, Florida. It uh, doesn't sound bad, except when you have a, you know, kids that are going into high school and they right. love skiing. So we had to trade in our skis right. for surfboards. And that, that Home Depot provider got bought. So I joined their organization when they were rounding $100 million in business, had the very good fortune of being there for, for the years that they grew to $185 million in business. And they were bought by Home Depot. And that's how I became an orange apron. I initially uh, was, was made, um, I've had uh, since that time, it was October of 2012. And since that time, I've had the very good fortune of a couple of promotions within a Home Depot, you know, all services related. And uh, eventually it was in the agreement that I was given sort of two years notice that you know they needed me to move to Atlanta, which has just been a, a tremendous experience. Um, you know, working for a large corporation. If you had asked me um, in you know, early days when I started the painting business in Canada with Home Depot that I would be someday in the future, you know, a director in Atlanta with Home Depot, I would have laughed my <laughs> laughed my uh, right and such off and uh, <laughs> gone no way. So kind of funny where the world takes you. So. I'll just add, Chris, um, that you know it's interesting from a learning standpoint. Probably the most significant learning that I've had. I mentioned the you know, the, the things that cost you the most, you learn the most. Um, but I had this awesome CEO who sold. You know, that was their second company they'd sold. Um, just you know, I, I learned the value of just ending things well. Um, and and what I mean by that is that you know it was painful financially when Home Depot got out of painting. Um, but I still remember today when one of the, so, so his name's Hector Padilla. He oversaw uh, U.S. services at the time. He's now today one of the three division presidents for Home Depot. And he endorsed me going to work for this other service provider. And you look back and going, wow, now I'm in the corridors and see him at Home Depot, know him at Home Depot. 
And boy, did I learn. And not that I would have done it any differently, but learned the value of just always ending things well, always behaving you know, well. And you never know, you know what might happen years down the road or who you might run into. And it just taught me the valuable lesson of, of just, again, good, good behavior and, and uh, having held my tongue at the time when I was a little frustrated financially. Yeah. I hope that makes sense. Oh, it totally, it totally does. And, and you know, one of the things, um, you know, that, that I see is just incredibly how connected we all are. You know, I guess I, yes. you know, I'm on LinkedIn and I, I, I have an enormous number of contacts and I go in and I'll, I'm, I'm, you know, right now I'm looking at our alumni at different times to sort of get them on our podcast and, and, you know, reconnect with them. And it's just amazing how many of them know other friends who I'm connected with and, and other people I know from other opportunities. And actually, I just had a call from one of our really successful alumni and he was asking for uh, a client reference for someone he was thinking of doing a deal with. And, and I, I know the person and of really high integrity and think really, really highly of them. But it's just like your reputation goes with you. And so, so you know, and, and again, in those hardest times, it's, it actually is the test of your character. How will you behave? You know? Oh, for, for, for sure. And, and I would just add, Chris, the other thing is just, you know, looking back from a, a youth standpoint, I just thought I had all the answers mm-hmm. and I didn't. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with some various business ventures, it took me getting knocked off my high horse, a little bruised and battered to really you know, close my mouth and open my ears. Today, I can tell you, I ask a lot of questions everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can get into that because it's just every role I start, a new journal begins and I start taking notes and asking questions. It's one of the things that I actually, any person who joins my team, they know for the first three or four months, just write down everything because it's important because you'll look back and you'll, one, you have a you know, record of your progress in terms of what you've learned in the new role. But you also, you know, note some things that just don't make sense. And you know, maybe in three or four months we convince you they do and really they shouldn't. And those are the things we can focus on fixing. So there's there's just so many great learnings that have taken place. And I'm very grateful for having been surrounded with great mentors like yourself along the way. Oh well, th- thank you, Andrew. And 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 one of the things as well that that I wanted to sort of point out again to our young leaders on the on the on the podcast is is that sometimes things look like they're gonna be really great. And they actually are going to be really great. And then they change. And so, you know, basically, just to sort of round out what Andrew was talking about, Andrew basically uh, was one of the key drivers of a business that was $300,000 five years later across Canada and the United States, well over $20 million, just absolute hyper growth. And, uh, and, and then all of a sudden, Home Depot saw that this wasn't working for them. And, you know, that was, you know, and the reality is they're right. It wasn't working for them, although it was it was what that business was depending on, you know. And so sometimes you just don't know that. And obviously it was it's it's, it's a cruel twist of fate or whatever, but that's what can happen. Yeah, it's, 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 I've got two, two sort of stories to, to tell you. Sure. One is I know the business model works because years later, that CEO I mentioned dropped my business or our business plan on, on my desk and said, I'd like you to read this. And I, and I, I saw some, some flaws, you know, it was, there was some things that would make it more profitable, but there's some things that just never would have you know, made it really work to the scale it needed. And uh, I had the opportunity to dust it off. And interestingly enough, we implemented a very similar model that, actually today still exists. It's a dealer network of providers 
that service you know, more remote markets for, for Home Depot. And that program does a million dollars a week now and makes about 16% bottom line. Wow. So you know, great, great to know that it, it works. Great to have the opportunity to dust us off. But it's, it's, it's funny. I didn't know what happened. Again, the, the value of behaving well until so many years later. So I got invited to um, participate in an inaugural class for um, called EDP, an executive development program that Home Depot had. Right. And Someone asked a question you know, of one of the senior leaders. Her name's Lynn Castonguay, who actually happens to be now the executive vice president of Sobeys in Canada. Right. Um, she is wonderful and just a, was a tremendous ambassador of, of myself, probably because she was from Canada and I was from Canada. So <laughs> that worked, worked out well. But she was the um, senior vice president over services when Home Depot acquired uh, the business and I became a, an orange apron. And I remember someone asking her this question saying, you wonder some programs that Depot will get back into. And she's like, well, I can tell you one we won't, and it's painting, and let me tell you why. I'm burying my head in my hands thinking, oh, no, my career's over before it started at Home Depot. Well, I sit down across from her from dinner being brave, and we start talking. And she goes, oh, Andrew, I remember you. And I'm like, how? She goes, I was a paint merchant in Canada the year you were awarded being service provider of the year. And you're like, oh, my gosh, how the world turns and how small it is, as you noted. And it was a great starting point for me at Home Depot. Right. Just because, again, she saw the, the, the value that you created, although yeah. ultimately it wasn't what they wanted. They obviously thought it was what they wanted. And ultimately they went and said, oh, wow, there's because, you know, again, one of the things that can happen is there's unintended consequences that you don't see. And so all of a sudden they have this national painting group that they've, they've built up and they thought, oh, it'll be fine. But what ended up happening, I imagine, and, and you've never told me this, so, so, so you don't have to comment as a senior person at Home Depot, but I imagine what, what was happening was, was it, it was like Home Depot now has, is, has painting and we're competing against a whole bunch of the people who buy paint from us. Yeah, it was, it was, it was the, the focus at the time was capture the pro and pro is a enormous part of, of the business mm-hmm. and pros did not like the fact that Home Depot was competing against them. Now, there's other businesses that you could say that Home Depot competes in today, um, but a lot of those programs aren't ones where pros typically come and buy product in the store. So that, that's sort of the rationale. And, and Depot takes it very carefully, too, in terms of where can they deliver a great customer experience. So you know, getting off the paint track for a second, I mean, you know, we're exiting right now. It's public knowledge, roofing, uh, siding, and uh, insulation. And it's just ex- exposure. You, know, you have too much asbestos you know, showing up below siding jobs in, in the Northeast of the United States and you know, OSHA and safety concerns being on roofs in California. Right. You know, Depot's just not whether it's people in harm's way and they're not going to put its customers in jeopardy. And you know, that's why they make these big decisions. But again, back to what we talked about, the customer is always number one. Right. Are you enjoying the episode so far? I'm sure you've heard the saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I've always thought that saying was inaccurate. I believe more accurately It's who you know who think highly of you and would be willing to refer you. I want to let you know I put together an amazing package for you. The four referability habits advantage. These habits are so powerful that when followed, they completely change the game for people and allow them to operate on a whole other level. If you're interested in getting your hands on the four referability habits advantage, just jump over to www.leaderspodcast.ca slash habits and download it for free. These habits will help you gain 
the respect of everyone you deal with so that you can land those important referrals in your life and business. Once again, just go to www.leaderspodcast.ca and download the full referability habits advantage. Now back to our leaders of tomorrow podcast. And market forces or safety all of a sudden changing, the rules changing or strict, becoming more and more strict, um, yep. all of a sudden changes the business environment. And, and so, so, you know, again, you know, it's, it's, you've got a plan, it's growing like crazy. It looks like your business is going to be really, you know, reward your, your, yourself, your investors, all the people who are in it. And it doesn't. <laughs> no, it's so true. I mean, my team today focuses on what we call the four C's. It's, you know, capacity, compliance, customer experience, and cost control. Right. And, you know, if you think of from a, from a um, capacity standpoint, you there's a aging population who won't or can't do the work themselves. The younger population is not doing the work themselves. So, you know, there's a there's a war on to attract top talent, be it you know, people working in your business or providers to, to service your business. From a compliance standpoint, you, know, you need to be very mindful that you know, let's say, work practices on job sites are, are paramount. You know, OSHA and safety compliance are, are are huge as well. You want to deliver just an outstanding customer experience, and you want to do it in a cost effective manner so you make money. That's you know, that's where we focus. But yes, we're very, very mindful of that. And the good fortune is, is that you know, bring it full circle all the way back to, to where we started. I still remember the first lessons I learned in terms of you know, using a ladder safely. Yeah, you think of you know, paint, just all the practices that I was taught back then still resound today. I'm like, wow, who would have thought that, you know, yes, it, it's, a, it's a painting business you know, at the time, but you know, these were life lessons I was learning. And I'm grateful. No, that's, well, that's, no, that's, that, no, that's, that's wonderful. And, and um, so, so, you know, um, is, is there anything else that, that you'd like to share about your Home Depot experience about working for, again, one of the largest and most successful businesses in the world? <laughs> it's interesting because I, I used to pride myself on being able to, what I refer to as navigate the murky waters of Home Depot. Right. Uh, as, as, a, as an outsider. Oh boy. Um, when I got to Atlanta, it's, you know, showed me the roadmap. It's, it's like being in high school and someone trying to sell you, a, you know, you you arrive as a um, freshman and someone trying to sell you a, a pass to the pool mm-hmm. and uh, they don't have a pool. So it's just, <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, standing at the wrong elevator that it doesn't come out on that floor. So was, <laughs> that was, you know, moving to a building where 6,000 people work. So, so that was, uh, that was unique. Um, someone, someone once told me, and I think it still stands today, your, your network is your net worth. So your, your network is your net worth. And wow, is that ever something I learned at, at Home Depot? Um, you know, being in the corporate ranks and getting to know people and having great relationships, um, it puts people in your corner and it has people supporting you. And I, and I truly do believe that it's an imperative part. Your, your network is your net worth. The people you know and how you behave and how you treat them is so important. I, I learned that. And again, not something I would do any differently, but I've learned the value and probably learned the value from witnessing others who, who haven't succeeded you know, to, you know, in that environment because they just didn't treat people properly and respect others the way, the way they should. So that was a big, big learning lesson. Um, the other thing is, you, you, I think it's the, the bravery also to speak up. Right. That was also a, a, a big piece. You, you, you think at first, oh, okay, someone, someone smarter than me, you know, they must know this. Well, well they don't. 
They hire you because they want you to speak up. Mm. So it's having the bravery to put your hand up when something doesn't make sense and have those tough discussions. That was a big learning point for me. You're, you're, you're there not to always say yes. You're there to point out and improve things. And that's what you're being paid to do. Um, so that, that took some, some, some learning and some courage. <laughs> and I believe it's, it's helped me enormously in advancing my, my career at, uh, at Home Depot as well. Um, and just a preparedness to work a lot. So I look back in the yeah. painting business. Yeah. Yes, I worked a lot in the summers. Uh, I learned when I was inspired, I worked hard. Um, I've had to learn corporately to create some balance. It's very interesting. I appreciate today why these large organizations um, have these campuses. You know, so we have a dry cleaner at the facility. You know, we put in a Starbucks. Um, there's a gym. There's a CVS in the building. And it's just to, to, to help you, you know, when you're there to do the things that are important. I mean, they bring people in to give the flu shot every year. Right. Um, yeah, they do these things to make it easier for you. But you also just really need to learn to have some balance in, in, in your life. And you can get consumed. And that's probably the third thing that uh, I've had to really focus on. So those are no, those are those are great, great um, values uh, or sorry, sorry, uh, you know, principles. And, and, and I just I love the. The, the net worth is your network, uh, you know, and, and just just so people understand that it's it's, you know, in a business, it's about getting things done. So um, because Andrew has great relationships, I can go he can go and work with people in other areas to get things done, to move things forward. So so it's 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 managing down. It's managing up. It's managing across. And when you've got good relationships, it's like, oh, Andrew's calling. Okay, great. And by the way, as well, you know, there's also something to Andrew's calling. He gets things done. He creates value for Home Depot. Great. My time would be well used because that's the other thing is people also, it's not like, oh, I like him. It's, and yes, there's a likability factor, but there's also just a performance factor because again, people, people are judged and, and people also just want to be good you know, corporate citizens and, and perform well so that they're trying to use their time the best possible so that they can they can deliver the most value for Home Depot and its customers. No, it's true. The culture helps me thrive with that. We have what's referred to as a Homer Award, and I carry them everywhere I go and you know, always trying to recognize my team, of course, but also my partners and my peers, you know, for the great support and service that they provide. Because you're absolutely right, Chris. I mean, you look at, you get in these large businesses and you know, finance doesn't report through to you. They're there to support you. HR doesn't report through to you. They're there to support you. You know, and so on. All these other services. That's you know, they, they're there to support you, but they don't report to you. And it's you know, super important that they're in your corner and they back you up. Yeah. No. And so, what's what's a Homer Award? Just so just so I understand. It's a if if you're ever in a Home Depot store, look at someone's apron, and you're probably going to see a Homer Award and go, "Oh, so I never knew what that was." It's just it's an internal recognition that you write a little blurb about someone, something great that they did or something they've done to look after a customer or a great project they've done. And you record these and you can actually get tiers of awards. You become bronze, silver, gold, um, platinum members. You can get oh, wow. awards that executive can award. And actually it's, it's great for, for our associates, especially in the store. I mean, you get a, you know, three home awards and then you get $50 on your paycheck. Awesome. Uh, you know, you, you, reach executive level and it's a recognition that you must be a real performer, but also you, then you, you know, I think that's the first stage of which you earn a watch, you know, so it's a, it's a great internal recognition uh, piece within the business. And it's just another great piece about the culture 
right. in which we operate. I mean, it's always the case when you look after your, your people and they look after our customers, everything else looks after itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then um, I know one of the things you mentioned, and I want to talk about it just because I know it's something you take really seriously. And for, for young leaders, it's, it really is something that you, I really believe that you, you, that they need to as well is, is health and fitness. So, you know, what do you do to manage your health and fitness and, and, and uh, you know, yeah, tell us some about that, Andrew. Well, at least I'm on the upswing right now of my health and fitness, so I can I can comment. Mm-hmm. Um, the experience of learning how to balance myself at Home Depot came from putting on a few pounds when I became corporate. There's always a buffet table or a meal there waiting for you. Yeah. So it was learning some discipline. Um, I had the really good fortune of, of uh, getting um, inspired by running. So I've, I've done a few marathons. Um, it's been some years, but, uh, uh, I guess about a year and a half ago, I went to Nashville and ran the rock and roll half marathon. Right. So I peter back a little bit, but running's a really big piece for, for me. In fact, right now I'm, I'm gearing up, I'm back up to, uh, five miles, you know, um, you know, probably, probably five days a week at least. Right. Um, belong to a, uh, fitness facility actually outside Home Depot. I just found it tough in the building and I was better to get myself out of the building. So near the new Brave Stadium, belong to a, a fitness facility. So I make sure I'm in there a couple of days a week doing a little bit of cross training. Um, it's it's amazing. You know, I didn't realize until I let it slip when I first moved to Atlanta and then got back and made sure it was on my calendar. Right. Just what a difference it made in terms of my energy level. Um, mm-hmm. you, know, you think you don't have the energy to go to the gym. Well, you know, in fact, you do it and you end up having more energy. Yeah, and you don't need as much sleep, so it's it's been a really big yeah, big factor. I've also just learned um, being on the on the road so much. I travel a ton, and for me at least, running in the gym's easy because I just have to put you know a pair of sneakers in my bag, and you know gym shorts and a shirt, so it doesn't require you know a lot of extra work. Now, having lived in Florida, I had the really good fortune of you know, getting a road bike, and you know what a wonderful place to ride. And Atlanta has a lot of hills, so that's important too. But that's you know generally generally where my focus is running. I can put on some music and, you know, zone out. Fortunately, I got a lot of beautiful scenery where I live, so I can go run on trails and boardwalk around the river. So that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and again, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think a lot of times people say, I don't have time to work out. I don't have time. You know, no, it actually gives you more time. Yeah. It, it's also really interesting, Chris. Like I, I didn't realize the time, but because we were an active family, you know, I had to learn moving from, you know, basically the ski hills to the ocean, but because we were an active family, my kids are all active. And I know for some of you younger group yet, that's probably not in your mind family, but wow, does it make a difference in terms of, you know, an ingrained habit in, in, in my, in my kid. I mean, one of my kids was a varsity cross country and track runner. Um, one of the reasons I'm actually making sure that I'm super fit in a couple of weeks, I'm going to see, she, she goes to, uh, she goes to Queens. Actually two of my kids have come back to Canada to go to school, one's at UBC and one's at Queens and one's graduating actually tonight uh, from high school. Um, but the one that's at Queens has done an exchange in her third year of commerce to go to Denmark. So I'm going to Denmark in a couple of weeks to, to visit with her for five, six days. And I want to make sure I'm in peak running condition because I know she'll want me to run with her and she'll take me down if, I, if I'm not ready to go. So. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Great, great that the kids are fit. So. Well, that's, no, that's, no, that's great. That's great. And again, it's these habits, these habits that you build on all your life. So as you went from um, a teenager or university student to a business owner, what did you have to change about yourself? Um, I laugh because this was eye-opening. It was for starters, it was my financial expectations. Uh, right. 
I made less in my first year working full time than I did in my summers managing. So in my right. mind, uh, my, my work math, it was, you know, I, I just multiplied my summer earnings by three. Because, you know, you work four months and now I'm going to be working <laughs> for, for, for 12. So doesn't that mathematically apply? Well, the math math didn't work. So that was uh, <laughs> that was one thing. Right. I um, also learned quickly that I couldn't be cooped up in an office all day. So that was a significant piece. I enjoyed being in the field, hands-on in uh, in the business with with my team. Um, and it's as much true today as it was when I first started working full time. Um, and and uh, I, Chris, yes, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I think one of the sayings that we learned in training was "show don't tell." Um, very fitting, and it's a principle you know that I operate with today. So you know crazy to think that just stands out vividly in my mind. And I would remember that from all those years ago. And I thought that's where it came from. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And so, you know, if someone wanted to do what you did or, you know, uh, what key habits would they want to steal from you? What's the secret to your success? Yeah. With, with all candor and humility, um, I just work really hard. (laughs) Um, and as I learn in any new role, I, I try to work smarter and be more productive. You mentioned productivity before, and yes, I, I obviously have to deliver in, in the roles that I've had at the you know, being being in such a successful organization. Um, really, the answers you need to be successful at whatever you do, they're usually out there. Um, you just have to to go find them. I do a lot of breakfast meet and greets, okay. looking for answers um, to the test from others. That's that's really for starters. I mentioned earlier that when I start a new role or project or, or business, I start a new journal. Literally, I have journals in, in my filing cabinet and I pull out a new journal and I write down everything when it's a new role or a new project. This to ensure, you know, day to day, I never miss a commitment or a deadline. So it's, so it's being written down and I'll review it on a plane flying back, you know, the notes that mm-hmm. I took. Um, it's also amazing to look back and, and see your learning progression. <laughs> That's pretty and, and, and rewarding because sometimes you don't realize how much you're actually learning or how much you progressed. Whenever I hire someone new, I also ask them just to write down you know, all their observations in the first three to four months in a, in a role. Um, one, they can go back later and be proud of their progression, but also they have a journal of all the things that didn't make sense until perhaps others, as I mentioned before, try to convince you, you know, something does. Um, from this, I generally find a few nuggets. So you know, imagine being in a new role or starting a project three, four months later, going back and reading through things. I generally, from that, learn the three to five things at that point that I'm ultimately going to focus on to improve the business over the next year. Wow. It just, it just seems to always work out that way. Just notes for the first few months, breakfast, learning from, from others, take in as much as you can. You know, the, the, the times that I've come in, guns a blazing, thinking I know it all and I'm going to change the world, it, it hasn't worked in my favor. It's going a little slow at the beginning to go fast long term. Right. And take that time at the beginning to, to really assess the situation, find the key relevant areas to focus that are going to make the biggest impact on the business, choose the top three to five, and that's where you, you channel your energies for, for ongoing. And I also just have really good routine and structure, Chris. I think I did yeah. back then and I do today. I'm pretty diligent. You know, I know, you know it sounds awfully routine, but you know, I, I have a routine. I know when I get up. I grab my Starbucks in the building. I'm at my desk by 7. AM and you know, my day starts and I generally get an hour before I sit up a lot of other people around. So those are some of the some of the, the habits. But I, I really encourage others. The journal piece has has served me well for 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 a long time. And I see a lot of other successful leaders now that I've had the good fortune of being in Atlanta and being this profit 23 business, um, that they do the same thing and they number them and they date them. 
it actually helps them too that they have a record of everything that they ever need to go back for any reason. Right. The the other thing I also wanted to to sort of point out to our young leaders is what Andrew said is he focuses on three to five things. And just because if we focus on too many things, we're actually not focusing on anything. So you can only choose so many focuses and then you drill those and you really are going to make the biggest impact by being um, not having too many things on your plate. So so uh, and by the way, as well, Andrew is an incredibly hard worker. You know, so there's just no question, Andrew, you know, you, you are that, um, <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and again, just, you know, committed and focused, uh, uh, for sure. That's certainly what I've seen over the, over the decades of knowing you. So. Oh, thanks. No, I appreciate that. I mean, I've heard the saying also, you know, even a blind squirrel stumbles on another once in a while. I'd like to think the farmer, not the, uh, farmer, not the, not the latter. Yeah. So yeah. no, well, and it's, it, it's, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing theme for our top performers is, is their hard workers. Like there's, there's no easy way to get great success. You know, you're not, you know, it's just yep. not how it works. Absolutely. And, and, and Hey, I, you know, life's an open book, cheat away. And that's really, I mean, it's a terrible way to position it, but you know, the, again, the answers to the test are out there. You just have to find the right people that know. Yeah. And so many of the, I mean, when I talk about three, it's, you know, I market sell, my team market sells and installs, you know, I recruit, train and support. Yeah. I mean, it sounds simple in nature and it, it is, it just keeps you channeled and keeps you focused. I mean, I think back to the years of you introducing me to, you know, the Dan Sullivan program, three days, focus days, buffer yeah. days, you know, there's a lot of common themes out there that doesn't matter how you put a spin on them, but the answers are out yeah. there. Yeah. Well, one of our, one of our great alumni, um, I, I, I'm looking forward to getting on a podcast in the future. His name's Govin Yairman. And Govin talks about R&D, which is rip off and duplicate. You know, like, you know, all, all about <laughs> concepts, all about, you know, hey, the information's out there. Google's got it all. You know, now people just keep putting out their 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 stuff more and more of their stuff just free. You know, so it's just, hey, it's, it's the, the issue is, are you going to act on it and are you going to do it? Hey, Chris, there, there's a reason why Home Depot doesn't start businesses. They buy businesses. They let other people go out and make the mistakes, the costly ones, and then they acquire them. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why. Let other people you know, figure it out. And then, great, you figured it out. You've got the you know, secret sauce. Right. We'll buy the company. Exactly. exactly. And this is going to make money in the future. You bet for our shareholders and serve our customers, right? We want to put sure. our name on it. So, yeah. So, um, so, final question, Andrew. When you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? Top of mind would be uh, technology, being technologically savvy. Um, if I could do PowerPoint like my kids, um, two of them I mentioned that are in university today or the interns that we hire each summer, the interns come top of mind because they're just starting right, right. now for the summer at Depot. Um, pretty huge, you know, that, that technology piece. Um, public speaking oh, yes. as well. The, the ability to sell one's ideas publicly. Um, I love schools today that focus on group projects and require you to make a class or lecture hall presentation um, group because you'll always be working in, in teams as your career progresses. Um, but you know, it guarantees that you have the ability to pitch something publicly. Yeah. You know, you'll be presenting you know, no matter what you do to someone, um, and it's better to get comfortable doing it today and now rather than trying to figure it out you know, later. Um, I still know the first time I stood in the auditorium at Home Depot. Boy, was it intimidating being on the stage looking at it a couple hundred people. Yeah. You know, not to say I've mastered it today, but it's something that I feel far more comfortable you know, that I have to do monthly you be on stage and, and present in front of hundreds. And it's just, it's, it's good to get that earlier um, you know, rather than later. And, and, and technology has, has afforded us as well, 
the opportunity to work from home. So I would say you know, it's important um, for an individual to be self-disciplined because you have a lot of flexibility to have mobility. And I always put it in my mind, you know, there were there were years where you know my kids were younger and we were in Florida and they'd come back to Canada for the summer and be up at the, the lake at the cottage in, in, in Gravenhurst. And you know, I was able to work remotely and I made sure I never abused it and really made sure I worked hard, probably worked harder when I was remote because I didn't want to ever jeopardize that great flexibility I had. So, you know, I think that's a, that's a really important piece. The last thing I would add, um, I'm also seeing a greater commitment to worthy causes from, from, you know, the, the interns that are working certainly with us in the summer and not just the quest for the almighty dollar. And I think that's, that's super important. you know, balancing both wanting to do something that makes a difference, which I think is really exciting to, uh, exciting to see. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited with my own kids to see you know, where they focus energies because money's not the money is important to them to, to live, but it's not the sole focus. They want to do something that also contributes to society and makes a difference. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and companies really, really are you know have a have a huge focus around that. You know, our, our you know student works. We've raised over a million half dollars for MS, and that's a real huge focus for our organization. I know Home Depot uh, uh, is, is does as is you know really vested. It, it enormously as well. Um, yeah, we've 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 invested significantly. So there's so there's two ways. One, they have what's called the Homer Fund. So people internally donate so that if ever someone has a there's disasters that happen all over the world, hurricanes and fires, as you know, you read about, you know, that take place, and you know, it's self funded in terms of helping those individuals out in the time of need. But we're heavily focused on veterans, and I would say there's nothing more exhilarating than the first time you have the opportunity to go do a Habitat for Humanity. Yeah, Health. that's right. It is unbelievable. And rewarding, and I have the good fortune that you know I get to go do it often, and it's uh, it's exciting. That's where Home Depot at least has, has channeled its energies. Actually, we donated recently, or, or sorry, put aside fifty million dollars to invest in training uh, retired veterans. And I would have thought that those older individuals—they're actually in their twenties—and yes. we're hiring them today to come and have jobs in my organization. Actually, measure technicians that go and you know after a sale measure, and it's very exciting. They're they're, they're just you know having the good fortune to support veterans and now actually employ veterans. So I'm really lucky that way. Awesome. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for your time um, today. Uh, you, you made a huge contribution to us and, and, and uh, you know, spending time from all the things that you have going on in your world at Home Depot and all the commitments you have. We are just so appreciative. Thanks, Chris. Really appreciate it. And best of success to everyone. Hey, leaders. We've got a ton more interviews like this one coming up in the next few weeks. So if you're listening and you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to Leaders of Tomorrow. If you enjoy our content, please give us a share on your Facebook feed or better yet, tell your three most driven and entrepreneurial friends about this podcast so they can join us in discovering what set these powerful business leaders apart from the crowd at such a young age.